So a, a mountain that, uh, that we're trusting God to move for us is the restoration and the rebuilding of a children's and a youth programs and ministries here at Willow Bend. And, uh, and, and it really is a mountain by my assessment of things because I, I just assume that, that if, if you're a parent and you've got a teenager, you've got a child, that, that a, a church that would have some amenities, some things to do, some programs for them to be a part of, well, that would be appealing. And so here we are located just down the street from mega churches and everybody's got bigger and more and, and we're starting from really nothing. I spent 20 years in youth ministry uh, built built three different youth ministries, but I never built one from really nothing. I always had at least a core group of about 15 kids to get started with. Right now, we've got four seniors that are going to college, and Seth and Lauren. Am I missing anybody? You know? So, so it's a mountain here. But, we're not, but in faith, we're going to be taking some steps. I do want to thank the Alfords tonight for opening up their home for youth to come tonight, all right? So teenagers, if you haven't been made aware, we're hanging out at Brown and, and, uh, and Clay's place at the park, okay, because they know better than to give you their whole place. <laughs> giveaways, and st- I, so I'm there, I'm, I'm there. Am I eligible for the giveaway? All right, sweet, even more so. Um, and then um, Wednesday night, I want to thank the Leaser family for opening their place to our children. And I'm told that across the street from your new home is a splash pad. Like, how fun is that? All right? And so if you have youth and you have children and you're like, hey, I want to know where that is, both my wife and my son are equipped with uh, flyers to help you find your way, and they're right up here in the front looking good. Um, Seth, not as good looking as he normally is. Um, No, you usually have a higher level of good lookingness. Um, but it's a little diminished. He, his, his, he's, got a, he's got a tooth that needs to get fixed. And uh, it's not my fault. That's you playing around on the skateboard park. I had nothing to do with that. So, um, anyway. But, but listen, listen. We, I'm, I'm inviting the church family to join me in putting forth some action to rebuild these children's and these youth programs, and that once one day again, that we're going to see teenagers here coming to meet Jesus. We're going to see children, and we're going to see families, and um, and we're just not going to sit back and be passive on this. And so, just like the Leasers and the Alfreds have opened up their their place to us, if you'd like to open up yours um, and host uh, on a night. Um, let us know. Uh, you could be a part of that, and that's not the only way to give. Um, I'm so grateful to a church family that fully funded um, our teenagers to go to youth camp, and we're taking a, just a few extra teenagers this year to youth camp than we did last year. They get to go to the beach, like, and uh, unfortunately, I have to go. Like, oh, can you believe that? I have to go to the beach. Like, darn. Um, so, um, but anyway, thank you, church, for, for digging deep in that regard. And, um, and some of these kids that we're taking, um, there's no evidence that they know Jesus yet. So be praying that they could meet Jesus because they need Jesus. Camp is fun, but Jesus is what they need. So this summer, it's all about faith. I'm, the, the whole summer I'm preaching about faith. I, I want to show you some of the many facets of faith. If you could envision in your mind 
a, a precious jewel that's been cut with several different angles. And as you turn it, it reflects more light and more brilliance. Uh, faith is like a jewel that God has given us from, from heaven. It's got many facets. And, and, and this summer, we're just going to turn that jewel so that you can see some of the, the greatness and some of the glory that God uh, has given us in this thing that we get to have called faith. Um, last week, we saw that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. I love that word, seek. Seek is not a passive thing. Very active. All right? It's, 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 it's belief, but it's belief that's going to put you in motion here. Um, faith. Faith is foundational to a relationship with God. You are saved from your sin through faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. You see, you don't work for salvation. You can't earn it. You receive it as a gift, trusting in God's promises and God's provision, as, as God gave his one and only son Jesus as a ransom for sin. Salvation is by the grace of God received through faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you give an offering, the amount is not important to God. It's the faith behind the offering. Jesus tells this story of a widow who gave two pennies in an offering, while others were giving much, much more. But because she gave as an act of faith, her offering was pleasing to God. Look, if you give your time serving, it's not how hard you work that pleases God. It's the faith that inspires the service. Look, God knows the difference when someone is working to impress people and when someone serves as an act of belief. One honors and pleases him. The other receives its reward, and that passes quickly. It doesn't last. You ever heard the phrase, what have you done for me lately? That's how we work. We also saw last week that faith is not a one-time event. Real faith is a way of life. Romans 1.17 tells us that the righteous shall live by faith. You begin a relationship with God by faith, you are saved by faith. That's a one-time event, but that's not the end of faith. The righteous will live by faith, meaning saved people now live differently than other people. Saved people live by faith, trusting God to guide and direct their lives. Faith is not a one-time event. It's a way of life 365 days a year. So today... Since we've introduced the theme of faith, 365, digging deep and reaching out, I want to show you a story from God's Word about some people who, in faith, dug deep, reached out, and because they did, Jesus responded to their faith. So turn with me, if you would, to the book of Mark, chapter 2. All right. All right. Mark, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was home. And many were gathered together so that there were no more room, not even at the door. 
And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that thus questioned them within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Let me, let me set up the scene for you. This story occurred while Jesus was in Capernaum. Now, most scholars believe that this was likely in the home of Peter. Capernaum served as a sort of a home base for Jesus. This story, is, it's also recorded in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. I like the account given in Mark, because it offers one particular detail that the others don't. Um, but in the Gospel of Luke, we are told that, that many Pharisees and teachers of the law had come to Capernaum, and, and they had come from all over Judea, Galilee, and Jerusalem. All right? um, the Gospel of Luke also tells us that in this particular story that the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. So I want you to picture in your mind a home filled with many people, locals who had come for healing, locals who had come to see healing, locals who had come to hear Jesus speak of God. Now, as you fill that room with locals, I want you to add into this room these Pharisees, these teachers of this law, these religious leaders who are from out of town. People from, from, from towns in the region of Galilee. People from towns in the, in, in the region of Judea. People from religious leaders from Jerusalem. I, I want you to add in your mind, add about 20 religious leaders into this room. Now I want you to add more locals. People who noticed, look at all these religious leaders coming into town. What are they doing here? Why are they going into Peter's house? What's going on there? And out of curiosity, they've come to see what all the commotion was about. And if you haven't ever noticed this, a crowd will oftentimes draw a crowd. So, so can you picture a home filled with curious onlookers and seekers? Every chair taken. Every space on the floor that you could sit on taken. People standing along the walls and in the doorways. Standing outside, looking through windows, there is no room. This is the scene. This is the setting of this, this story. Now, there's a man in this story whose name is not given to us in any of the biblical accounts. But it's assumed that somewhere along the way, this man became a believer and a believer that Jesus could make a difference in people's lives. He became a believer that Jesus could do what was humanly impossible. And we can safely assume this because 
you just don't carry a paralyzed man across town unless you have a sincere belief. You know, Jesus still does what is humanly impossible. I mean, from modern day medical miracles to restoring broken families, healing addicts, transforming lives. Listen, you name a problem, and I could tell you with great confidence, Jesus is the answer. This man, he's become a believer in Jesus. Maybe he witnessed Jesus healing people. Um, maybe he himself experienced that. Um, uh, but, but, uh, but along the way, um, he has become a believer. He develops a personal faith in Jesus. And because of that faith, he is moved to dig deep and to reach out. He first digs deep to muster up the courage to speak the impossible to a man who was paralyzed. A, a man who did not have use of his arms or legs. Now, we're not told how long this man has been without the use of his arms and legs, possibly since birth, but, but most likely he was somebody who fell victim to an accident. Once upon a time ago, he was vibrant and, and able. He could run and jump. He could hug his own children. But then he fell and he broke his neck. And now he can no longer make his muscles move, his limbs the, the life he once knew is gone, and now he's completely dependent upon the care of others. He can't feed himself. He can't go to the bathroom himself. He's unable to feel anything below the neck. If his nose itches, he can't scratch it. He is a combination of desperate and hopeless. The man with faith digs deep, and he musters up the courage to speak hope to the hopeless man. He says, I want to take you to meet Jesus. He does what is impossible. Now, this paralyzed man, he's a mix of emotions. Some hopeful, some resentful. The resentful comes forth out of his mouth. And he probably says something like, go away. Keep your hope. Would you bring me something real, like a drink of water? Good luck getting me there all by yourself. The man with faith digs deep again. He, he really believes. And so he digs deep and he reaches out. This time he reaches out to some friends. Now we don't know if these friends were already believers in Jesus. But by the time they got to the paralyzed man... They had faith that Jesus could do the impossible. And now the four men, they dig deep. They grab the mat of the paralyzed man that, that he's laying on. And they probably say, like it or not, we're taking you to see Jesus. Try to stop us. They pick the man up and off they go. So as they come to this home that Jesus is in, they see the overflow crowd. They dig deep again. And they say, excuse me, we have someone we'd like to bring to Jesus. Excuse us, could we get through? We've got a paralyzed man with us. Now, I don't know if the people there, that crowd, were just so selfish that they were unwilling to move, but it's quite possible that the, the place was so full that moving wasn't even an option. 
Even if they wanted to let the paralyzed man through, it just wasn't going to happen. The crowd was so thick. So the men of faith, they dig deep again. They carry the man around back. They find the same situation. Now, most people at this point would give up and say, well, we gave it an honest try. You can't win it all, win them all. Maybe the next time, I'm sure Jesus will be back later in the week. We'll bring him then. This was enough for today. But you see, these men, they had real faith. The kind of faith that causes you to dig deep and to reach out. Now, a typical home in Palestine at that time, it had a flat roof. And, and there was usually a stairway outside the home that led up to that roof. And, and the reason that they would build their homes this way with a flat roof and a stairway is that, um, you know, they just didn't have air conditioning in those days. And so you would go and you would sit and you would relax on the roof of your house and you could feel the breeze come by and they would do that in the cool of the day. The other thing is, is that in the evenings, on hot evenings, they would oftentimes sleep on their roofs because it was much more comfortable. And so they would build a stairway up to the roof. The roofs were generally made out of layers of, of dried clay and mud placed over beams of wood for support. And they would layer that wood and then they would put a, a ceiling coat of, of clay over the top of it to make it waterproof. These men... They dug deep, and they carried this man up the stairs onto the roof. And in Mark chapter 2, verse 4, it reads, And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now this translation says they made an opening in the roof. But remember, they would have been standing on a roof that was made out of several layers of mud and clay. Do you know how you make an opening in a roof made out of mud and clay? You dig. That's what they did. Some of your translations read, after digging through the roof, they laid that man down and brought him to Jesus. Think about the faith these men had in Jesus. They had the faith to pick up and transport a man that had been paralyzed from the neck down. They had, they had, they had faith to persist even when they were faced with obstacles that they could not change. And you know they did not plan on digging up somebody else's roof that day. I mean, they thought they would carry a man to Jesus and walk through the door like regular folk. Someone in that group had to dig deep and run home and get shovels. They also had to run home and get rope. Because that wouldn't have been part of their, 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 their equipment that day. Think about, think about the ruckus they made on the roof. Any, anybody here live in a two-story home or in a multi-level apartment complex with somebody is a, above you? You know that sound? What, what are they doing up there? What is that? You don't, you've been there? 
you know the people who were in the home listening to Jesus were not happy. They're trying to pay attention to Jesus and someone starts banging around on the roof above. What's going on? And then that roof was made out of mud and clay. So someone probably looked up at the ceiling and as they're digging, they looked up and, and dirt fell in their eye. Another fella, unfortunately, left his mouth open as he looked up. The, another lady there, she had fixed her hair real nice because she was going to go see Jesus. And now dirt was falling in it. You know, every crowd always has people in it who are rule enforcers. I mean, the rules are important to them. I got one of them. One of my children is a rule enforcer. Which is fine, except when he makes up his own rules and tries to enforce them. All right? So this, so the rule enforcer, he's listening to that. He's like, oh, that's not right. I'm going to put a stop to that. And he works his way out of the crowd up there, and he goes and says, what are you boys doing? Y'all are in trouble. You boys quit that. People are trying to hear the word of God and you're distracting them. They're, they're trying to hear the word of God spoken by the word of God. Y'all better quit this. Jesus might heal someone today and you guys are causing dirt to fall on everyone. And Rupert got dirt in his eye, both his eyes, but because of you and he may go blind. And you better hope and pray that Jesus heals him. This isn't even your house. I'm calling the authorities and you boys are in trouble. But these four men of faith, they had faith enough to dig deep and reach out. And that didn't stop them. And so they dug. And when they made an opening big enough to lower their friend, they saw the eyes of, of many annoyed people, people who were angry in the crowd, but they lowered their friend to Jesus. And look what happened. Verse 5, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is a remarkable verse given to us by God, and it's filled with some surprising theology here. I mean, whose sin does Jesus forgive here? The paralyzed man. Never mind the fact that Jesus forgives sins before his sacrifice on the cross, we don't have time to unpack that surprise today. But the word, the word says he forgave the paralyzed sins because of, not because of the man's faith and trust. The word says that Jesus saw their faith, plural. He saw the faith of the four men who believed, the four men who dug deep and reached out. Jesus was not upset by the interruption. He wasn't threatened by the unconventional way these men brought their friend to him. Jesus does not see a hole in the roof that needs to be fixed. He doesn't see four people that, that need a lecture. He sees faith. Faith enough to dig deep and reach out. And Jesus forgives the paralyzed man's sin. What if we had faith enough to dig deep and reach out? Imagine what Jesus might do. What, what if we had faith enough to dig deep and reach out in spite of obstacles that 
occur? What, what if we believed that Jesus would change lives and we were willing to try things that had never been tried before? I mean, who digs through another man's roof? I think rebuilding a children's and a youth ministry here, that's a pretty lofty goal. We may very well need to get creative and do things that haven't been done. Be unconventional in order to bring children and youth to Jesus. Now, doing things differently, that's risky. You're not guaranteed results when you try something new. Anyone got faith enough to risk? And let me say, your faith, your faith need never be in yours or my or any of ours ability to be creative. Rather, creativity should come out of a great faith in Jesus. Your, feet, your faith should never be in your willingness or your capacity to dig deep. Rather, your digging deep should be the result of a great faith in a Jesus who makes a difference and does the impossible. Jesus saw the faith of four men and he forgave the sins of the paralyzed men. Let me ask you, will anyone meet Jesus and be forgiven of their sin on account of your faith? Will there be anyone in heaven that Jesus will meet and forgive because you had faith enough to dig deep and reach out? To dig deep, to dig deep in your own relationship with God. I mean, because if you want to reach out, you, you dig deep in God's word to know the God who saves and make him known. Like, we're just not going to go out there and like just tell people about the God that we imagine. We need to tell them about the God who is. And how do you know him apart from his word? You're going to have to dig deep to know him and know him well so that you can make him known. To, to dig deep and get out of your comfort zones, to, to reach out to people and bring them to Jesus, to, to dig deep when difficulty happened because difficulty will happen. But, 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 but you believe that Jesus can make a difference, so you reach out again and again. You know, several Sundays ago, a teenager was brought to our church and he didn't like it. He didn't like Willow Ben. And the story is a fella. Who, uh, who comes to the Celebrate Recovery here, he had a, a teenage boy in his apartment complex, and he wanted his, this boy to meet Jesus. So he took him to his church. This fellow goes to the big Prestonwood Baptist Church down the road. Big's an understatement, isn't it? The teenager comes back from, the, from going to the church there. He says, I don't like it. I don't like big. I don't like these big crowds. I don't, I, I'm uncomfortable here. The man says, well, I know what to do. I know a small church. I'm going to take him to Willow Bend. Small, relational. Brings him here. Comes into our Bible study. Afterwards, the man checks on this teen. Says, well, how'd you like it? He says, I didn't like it. People were too nice to me. Now, I've heard a lot of excuses about not wanting to go to church in my life. That's a new one. That one was a first. 
people were too nice. Like, 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 all right, you be nice, but you need to mix in a little bit of being a jerk, too. Like, I just, and I haven't quite figured that out, to sit there and say, Seth, whoa, 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 don't be so nice. Like, like, call him fat or something, you know? Just, like, tell him his nose is big. That'll make him feel, you know. Don't do that. I'm, I'm being sarcastic, Okay. I tell this story because this teen gives us something important to remember when you reach out. You see, the young man didn't need church. He needed Jesus. And until he meets Jesus, very little of church is going to make sense or be relevant. The, the man who brought him to church, has, he has the right heart desire, but he hasn't yet, and he's told me this, He doesn't know how to share Jesus. Some of you may need to dig deep to learn how to share Jesus. Because Jesus is what they need. Jesus saw the faith of these four men and he forgave the the paralyzed man's sins. Now I'm quite certain that the paralyzed man became a believer that day too. And he became a believer before he got healed of his paralysis. You see, notice that Jesus calls him son. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. I don't believe Jesus would call this man son apart from genuine faith. We're told in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I imagine that this man as he watched the great effort of these four men, uh, along the way, his hopelessness began to turn to hope. And he said, there's, he's watching this, he says, man, if these guys would go to this great lengths to risk so much, I, I know it's not, a, it's not about me. I mean, why drag me onto the roof, dig a hole, and let me down so I can have another letdown in life? If they're going to go through all this trouble, if they're going to go through all this effort, if they're going to risk so much, well, maybe this Jesus can really make a difference in my life. Maybe Jesus can heal my spine. Maybe Jesus can change my life. And as they lowered him down, he sees the Son of God, the Son of God Jesus, who does the impossible, and he believes, and Jesus calls him Son. The story ends with those religious leaders questioning Jesus about his authority, like who's got the authority to forgive sins? So in order to show them that he did have the authority, Jesus heals the man's spine right in front of them. He says, get up and walk. The man picks up his mat, walks out the door. And they said, we've never seen anything like that. The faith to dig deep and reach out. The belief, the assurance that Jesus Christ can change lives, that Jesus Christ can make a difference. And I, and I know the difference he's made in my life and a lot of great stories in here, the difference that Jesus made in your life. Now to take that faith and say, you know what? Because of that, I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to dig deep in, in 
in, in, in knowing him so I can make him known. I'm going to dig deep in learning how to, how to share him with others. Not just invite people to church, which please do. But, but truthfully, until person, a person has Jesus, church doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me until I had Jesus. But after Jesus, Jesus changes everything. Continues to change everything. Faith to dig deep. Reach out. So as I close today. I wonder if anyone here today. Was drug here. Like the paralyzed man was brought. Somebody brought you. Because they wanted you. To meet. The son of God. Who changes lives. If that's you, in a moment, I'm going to invite you. If God's speaking to your heart, you'll know it. He spoke to my heart years ago in such a way that I was like, you know what? I don't know where this all leads, but I'm not living one more day of life without him. And if that's you today, when we stand and sing, I'm just going to ask you to walk the aisles of a church just like I did. Let me pray with you. And help you receive as you believe. You'll be given the right to be called a son or daughter of God. Others of you, you do believe. But now it's time to grow. To put your faith in action. So that you can dig deep. Reach out. And if we learn anything out of this story that God has given us. Is that God responds. When he sees our faith. Let's give him something to see. Father God. I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the change that you brought forth. In so many lives here already. We've seen you move before. We believe that you'll move again and again. God, I pray for anyone here today who has not yet begun a personal relationship with you through your son Jesus. God, I also pray for many more that we can celebrate with as they become a part of your forever family God may you use the your people here to dig deep in their own lives and reach out in their families in their jobs in their neighborhoods to the passers by at the grocery store That everywhere we go, we could just overflow with bits of your love and grace. God, forgive us for being passive, for being self-centered. Forgive us for being indifferent and lazy. 
Restore to us today the kind of faith that goes through our heads, into our hearts, and works its way out into our hands. The faith that does dig deep and reaches out. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you that you have the authority to forgive sin and change lives. We pray all this in your name. Amen.